0: Well, bow your heads with me, if you will, please. Let's talk to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the joy and the wonder of music. To be able to sing to you great truths about your love for us and to express our love for you. Thank you, Lord we pray now that you would walk amongst us you know who we are you know what's going on with us and we are open books to you right now so come write about your wonder wonderful giving loving desire for us write it into our lives Take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our wills, shape them to your own. And take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and set them on fire with love for yourself. We pray this for your name's sake. Amen. Well, this morning we come to the end of our series about the Young Church in Action. We've been reading and studying from the Acts of the Apostles. I have been encouraging you to read right the way from beginning to end in one sitting. It would only take you maybe a half an hour to an hour according to how fast you read, just to read it, to get the the drama and the energy that is encompassed in these writings. Because what you are seeing or hearing and absorbing when you do that is the energy of that first exploding, evangelizing, learning to pray, learning to be churches, learning to have fellowship. And it's energizing to read it Because those are our early beginnings and underpinnings. So if you haven't done it yet, get it done by next week when we head into our new series on prayer. Which will bring us all the way to a summit of prayer for all the churches of Pittsburgh. And Pastor Jamie was telling you about that. And to have Henry Blackaby of experiencing with God present in our church teaching on prayer with people gathered from around the city, that will be one of the events. On 9-11, to be down at Point Park with Christians from all over the city praying for our nation. It's a great event. And we'll be preaching about prayer for the four Sundays leading up to that. And in fact we're doing a study that will be part of a small group study. uh, Bill Hybels about learning to pray. And to pray together. So the next series is all about prayer. So that will, I don't know if that will really give you a breather. But Get this Acts of the Apostles, the early church in action, the young church, as something you have read and to some extent digested. Most of you here have been hearing this teaching week by week by week. If you're fresh and new here, it's all recorded, and you can go pick it up at, uh, I don't know what we call it anymore, it used to be the tape Ministry, but where you can get the CDs. What's it called? Or online, yes. (laughs) Now we've got your attention. There are people who are listening to our preaching and teaching all over the USA and around the world. Because we're online. So that's brilliant as well. Well we have prayed and asked the Lord to speak to us. And the message that we're taking away from this morning's teaching is this. That the gospel creates community. That is, that when Jesus came, and he's the heart and soul of the gospel, the good news, which is what the word gospel literally means. He is the good news. God, in person, dwelling amongst us, With his teaching which we have in the Gospels. Not just his teaching. But the demonstrations of who he really was. All the way to the cross. And on the cross. What was really going on there. Father forgive them. They know not what they do. As if that were addressed to you and me. And then. To walk out of the grave alive. Conquering death conquering sin conquering hell to deliver us to glory that's good news it's all vested in Jesus and we're talking about that good news as it expresses itself Once we get to know him, once we get to know him, he gives us each other. If you could come up here and look and see who we all are here, it's spectacular. Most of you don't get the opportunity to do that. Mary, come on up here and bring your husband with you, Raymond. Would you do that? This is Ray and Mary. Ray volunteers in our Treasury Department. And his wife volunteers to be his wife. (laughs) Anyway, take a look. Isn't that awesome? It is. It is awesome. Aren't they cute? Yep. Gorgeous. <laughs> Handsome. Yep. Young. <laughs> Young. A lot of youth here. How about that? See, us preachers get this privilege. Amazing. As I stand here and look out at you, as they stand here and look out at you, it's as if Jesus is looking at you. Not because we're here but because he is, and he knows you. Anyway, John and Mary, thank you. I just wanted you to see what I see. You're seeing on behalf of the whole audience this morning. Thank you. He gives us each other. Take a look. If you go to the page two in your service sheet, you've got the text of, this passage from the Acts of the Apostles chapter 20 and it picks up the storyline at verse 22 that's where yours begins and it says now compelled by the spirit I am going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there says Paul I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prisons and hardship are facing me Now when he said those few words, he's speaking to the leadership of the church from Ephesus. They are down in a little coastal town called Miletus, where his ship is moored that's going to take him across the Aegean and through the Mediterranean back to Israel. And he asks that the leaders of the church in Ephesus be brought... To him, So word was sent and they came. Wasn't, Ephesus was not that far from where they were by their standards. And he has several days with them. And then they have this meeting at the beach. And they actually, as you saw at the end there, kneel and pray together. But what he tells them is heart rending. Because he tells them that he's never going to see them again, nor they see him. Look at the end of the reading, verse 36. When he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. And they all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. And what grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. Look, you don't have it in front of you unless you have your Bible, but verse 21 it says, after we had torn ourselves away from them, we put out to sea. They literally had to tear themselves away from them. And what you're seeing there is a microcosm of what the Lord wants the church to be. A caring, loving connected, committed another C, community that's his desire for us and there are reasons for that so when we ask Christ into our lives he gives us forgiveness the gift of eternal life and the hope of heaven and he gives us each other As a family to belong to. I want you to look and see, again, if you'll look back to the text, what he speaks of concerning his relationship to them and their relationship to each other. Look at verse 28. Keep watch over yourselves... And all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. That word is also translated bishops. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Now, implicit in that text are two great pieces of teaching. One is that people like Pastor Jamie, myself, Pastor Barry Mariana, Pastor Doug, Pastor Rob, the people whom you have called to be leaders in this church, we have the responsibility to shepherd you. That's a holy calling. It's not a job. We're thrilled, we often thank God when we're together that we get to have as our livelihood actually pastoring, caring for the flock of God. And there are some things that are said about how we are to be responsible in that. Calling us shepherds. A shepherd is a leader. You know the old impression of the pastor... Like that's a pastoral image word, isn't it? Like pastor, pastoral. It's like of a shepherd. And often the image of a shepherd is like a nice, warm, comfortable, woolly, lovey-dovey guy who's pastoring. Like he woollies around amongst all the woolly sheep. You can hardly tell the difference between him and the sheep. He's woollying around amongst them. That is not true of this image. You remember Jesus in John chapter 10 spoke about himself as the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And further it goes on to say that he, the good shepherd, knows his sheep. He calls them by name. And he leads them out, and they follow him. And if you go to the Middle East today and see the shepherds out on those fairly barren hills, they lead their sheep. They do name them. That's not a euphemism, that is a nice way of saying dumb sheep. They are named he does know them and he can call out his sheep by name and they follow him. Actually, the imagery in John chapter 10 is that there are other sheep in that sheep pen at night and when the shepherd calls his sheep, only his sheep come out to follow him. It's brilliant. Well, when God calls us shepherds, it's that we know you, And lead you out, call you by name and lead you out. It's a leadership image. In the West, we get a dog trained to nip at the heels of the sheep, bark at them, and a few whistles from the shepherd, and the sheep get driven by a dog. That's not the Middle East. The shepherd leads and they follow. So that's a leadership image. And it's a huge responsibility. Paul speaks about his ministry, that he's held nothing back. He's spoken the whole word of God to them. And in verse 32, take a look at that. He says, now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up And give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. He says, verse 35, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, who said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now in reality, this is, A farewell tour by Paul. He's making his way back to Jerusalem. And certain rock groups turn up. I don't know whether we'll ever get the Rolling Stones back to Pittsburgh. I don't know whether Mick Jagger will ever live that long to come back here with another tour, but he was in town recently. He asked me if I wanted to come up and sing with him. I'm lying. But it got your attention. (laughs) This is Paul's ministry farewell tour. So he's saying to the leaders in Ephesus, which were evangelized by him, taught by him, prepared for leadership by him, that this is the last time they'll see his face. They had to tear themselves away. So this is a solemn moment of Paul... Saying to them, the leaders, here's your responsibility. That's the shepherding piece. That's the overseering, overseeing. Implicit also is that there really is a flock of sheep who are known. So you've got shepherds. And the image of the flock is of people gathered like a shepherd leading sheep. Sheep. Not that you're dumb like sheep. If they can get lost, they get lost. It's not that you're going around saying, but the images of you gathered with a shepherd to care for you. There are other images, like a family. We talk about ourselves here as the family of God. Our Father Lord Jesus Christ is while Lord, we are co-heirs, joint heirs with Him of all that the Father has. We're in the family. The way the pirates are doing right now, we may be singing once again with Sly on the Family Stone. We are family. But we here in the church are family. This is the image of the body. He writes to the Ephesians. They don't see his face anymore, but he sends them an epistle. You read how heavy, how brilliant is the teaching in which he inspires with that letter, the epistle to the the letter to the Ephesians. And in chapter 5, he speaks about us being the body of Christ. That's another image. Christ is the head, we are the body. So within the body, we've got all different functions, gifts, abilities, but we function not as just individuals. Paul writing to the church in Corinth said, the hand can't say to the foot, because you're not a hand, I don't need you. The hand needs the foot. The eye can't say to the ear, I don't need you. He said, if we were all the eye, where would be the hearing? And God places us in the body with gifts and abilities that when we all work together and pull together like ligaments and muscles, we're strengthened as we work together to be the body of Christ and fulfill what it is God wants to do through us as a community. If you act and work by yourself, All you will ever get done is what you can do by yourself. But when we get together, what we can do is immense. So that's the second teaching that's implicit. So God has not just given us a savior in Jesus Christ and heaven with him. He's given us each other. Now I want to speak very frankly about that piece of it because most of us are here, because we have gotten to know Jesus, and most of us are not really that connected with each other because we do not want to get to know each other. Or we don't want to be known by others. There's two sides to that coin. Who needs to know about the grief of this person or that? And who on earth wants to let anybody, and this is guys in particular, Guys are so closed off. They can talk about their job, the pirates, the stealers, the penguins, and the weather. And they're cooked. Unless they're hunters. And then they've got another sport thrown in. How about them stealers? What a mess yesterday. I hope they were just misleading everybody as to how bad they really are. And they blow them away. Doesn't, did that cross your mind? It looked so bad. They're got Our defense, everything seemed to be open. And I was only listening to it on the radio. <laughs> God's given us each other to be family, a body. Actually, the picture of us each being a living stone, joined to each other, making up the temple of God in which his Holy Spirit dwells. And the teaching again in Ephesians is that by this mystery of what God has done with us, he wants to reveal himself. It's not just individually me or individually you. But corporately there is something spectacular happens when we get together and you sense it. And it's not just that it's nicer to be singing with other people. Because one hand clapping doesn't make any sound. We do need each other. But God has purposes and plans. Wasn't that a spectacular statement of Paul himself concerning his life? Look at verse 24. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace I've written after that in my Bible there's a little space there and I wrote down my 65th birthday which was over 10 years ago that I may finish the race and fulfill all that God has for me to do then I'll go home because there's no retirement. Not in God's plan. And the same is true for you. Do you, have you. Have you applied that statement to yourself? Have you got that dream and desire to fulfill all that God has in mind for you to do? That's why he's given us each other. That we might pull that off. There are several steps to this. In this membership manual, is a full reason statement why you need to become committed members of Christ Church. Any number of you visit and worship here, but you haven't made that commitment. To be sure, your first commitment is to Jesus, and we're all about that. But once you get to know Him, Your next level of commitment is to each other, to his family, to the body of Christ. The word church, in the original language of Greek, is ecclesia, from which we get ecclesiology, ecclesiastic. And it literally means, literally, a gathering. So when it speaks about the church, it's not a building, it's a gathering of people the ecclesia the gathering that commitment to be together is very very important here are the four reasons the first is a biblical reason and it's because Christ is committed to the church himself the one who gave his blood his life for us and in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 it says Christ loved the church the ecclesia, the gathering of the people, and he gave his life for it. So Christ is committed to us as a gathering. Secondly, a cultural reason. It's an antidote to our society. We live in an age where very few want to be committed to anything. A job, a marriage, our country, This attitude has produced a generation of church shoppers and hoppers. Membership swims against the current of America's consumer religion. It is an unselfish decision. Commitment always builds character. That's the second reason. Third reason, is a practical reason that it defines who can be counted on. I guess that kind of accountability is something of a threat. But every ball team, every sport has a roster. Every school has an enrollment. Think about it. Every business has a payroll. Every army has an enlistment. Even our country takes a census and requires voter registration. Membership identifies our family. When you go through the membership class, we will give to you one of those things that you can put in the back window of your car, it's see-through, with Christchurch at Grove Farm and our symbol. Not only can you wear that with pride, we hope, but be an advertisement for a place to go if you're looking for a church when you visited us four times you get a letter from either Pastor Jamie or me saying that you visited four times and your name is now being printed out for you to pick up I don't see a whole lot of names here but I tell you what we are going to do Beginning next week, when you walk in this door, which is most of the way many of you come in, some of you come upstairs from dropping off your kids, some of you wander in the other door, however you get here, outside these doors will be a table with your name on the name tag. Wear it so that everybody knows who you are. So that when you come up for communion, we can give it to you by name, which will be next week, first week of the month. Belong. It's a symbol of belonging, amongst other things. It's also a symbol of saying, This is who I am. I know you'd love us to have your name down every one of you and know who you are without needing a name tag and a whole lot of you we do know but does anybody else know? and then last of all it's a personal reason it produces spiritual growth the New Testament places a major emphasis on the need for Christians to be accountable to each other for spiritual growth. You cannot be accountable when you're not committed to any specific church family. And that's another reason why we've got hoppers and shoppers, in and out. This church serves me for praise. This one I like because it's really multicultural. This one over here has great preaching and teaching. This one, the people are really cool. People sort of move around some. And when things get tough here, they go elsewhere. To commit to being a part of a family is how you mature and grow up. Really. Because we get in each other's way. We are not all perfect. In fact, I would go as far as to say there's not a perfect person in here. And some of you are really screw-ups. <laughs> if I were to ask, is anybody perfect, none of you would stand. If I were to ask the question, who's a screw-up? A lot of you would stand, and most of you wives, if you could, would get your husbands to stand. <laughs> And it's in that living and growing and working things through together. That's another commitment. And then there's a third commitment to be part of a small group. Get signed up. My wife and I are part of a small group. All our pastors are in small groups. I think I can say that without contradiction. They'll let me know later if I was wrong. To be a part of a group where you are known. I still see the old shows from Boston, the Cheers, where everybody knows your name. And that's a pub, a bar. To have a home group where everybody knows your name and can pray for you, we need to be praying right now for David Case. He is the husband of Vicki Case who runs our greeters ministry. David has heart issues and they can't find out what they are. They've gone in, take a look at his heart, and all his arteries are wide open. And he's having heart attack symptoms. This week his heart stopped beating. He happened to be where they had paddles and they brought him back to life. Pray for David. They've got to get to the bottom of whatever's going on. Because it looks like his heart is perfect. So I told you some personal stuff there. You pray for David. You've all been praying for little Esther Glover. Why, she's home. Spectacular. She is home. In fact, the text picture that I got texted on the, you know, I'm now doing texting. (laughs) The picture of little Esther Lee, she looked in all her pink finery, so different than the little girl who was wired with stuff stuck in her, laying in an incubator. She's home. Thank you for your prayers. I say that on behalf of the Glover clan. But isn't it great to have people like us who can pray? Be there for each other? Be there when you're grieving and hurting? I'm kind of done here. One of the experiences of my life which transformed my ministry was from the man who I did a memorial service for yesterday in Philadelphia, whose library I've brought back and given to Matthew and Henrietta. Years ago when I was a young single guy and he had sponsored me into the country to do a speaking tour and I got increasingly arrogant and verbose and was really beating up people with the word rather than lifting them with the word beating them up with it. And I know the difference. I know when I'm being beaten up and when I'm being encouraged Because you can say the same thing in just a different tone and a different way. This man flew, man we buried, flew from Philadelphia up to Boston to see me where I was speaking, took me out one evening to a very nice dining place on one of the piers, and during the meal said to me, John, I can no longer support you in your ministry. And he wasn't talking about finances. But to be for me and to encourage me in the way I was going. He said, all you're doing is beating up on people. The way you're speaking is just so arrogant. And he was right. And that changed my ministry like that. I was done with that. While we have to speak in a way that corrects We want to speak in a way that exhorts. And he saved my ministry. That one statement turned me around and transformed my ministry. Do you know anybody in your life who can speak like that to you? It's so important for you to get connected. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus... We do pray that you would, in your mercy, lift us out of the quagmire in which we are stuck and lift us to where you want us to be. Whatever steps we need to take, it is our prayer, Lord Jesus, that you would come lift us up and move us on. Help us to genuinely be your family here.